0: And while you're there, download our free app. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook. Search for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. He's a former professional mixed martial arts fighter, an instructor of police officers and first responders. He teaches and he's an expert in police, physical use of force, self-defense, hand-to-hand combat, subject control, de-escalation techniques, and community policing. We're going to talk about that and so much more on the Law Enforcement Today Show. The Law Enforcement Today Radio Show is brought to you in part by Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888 991 9725 online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center. Has a nationally acclaimed Veterans and First Responders Treatment Program offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center, call 888 991 9725. That's 888 888- Nine nine one nine seven two five online at TransformationsTreatment.Center Center calling us from Michigan. We have on the phone Amir Killa. Thanks for joining us on Law Enforcement Today Show, Amir. It's my pleasure. It's good to have you here, Amir. By the way, and I'm going to let him do the, the introductions. I don't want to mess up. He is an expert in, in use of force, he is a former professional mixed martial artist. Uh, he's also a law enforcement subject control instructor. Uh, And, well, how about this? Amir, why don't we just go ahead and and let you tell people about yourself first? Sure.
1: Well, I uh, designed a curriculum called Centurion Modern Subject Control. There was not much on the market uh, as far as a complete system. And uh, designed that, implemented it in the local police academy, and from there it grew into a program that has been taught at various departments i am also a use of force expert for a local medical school and a subject control instructor for our regional police academy
0: now subject control instructor and and i'll be honest with you use of force expert for a medical school i've never heard that terminology before
1: we are implementing a lot of new ideas mainly being treating officers as tactical athletes and providing them with the tools and training that they need to perform their job successfully.
0: That's a pretty amazing concept right there. And I don't know that I've ever heard that concept mentioned before.
1: If you look at it and think about it, John, our our officers are athletes. They're tasked to go out there and do something with their body physically. And there is much more on the line than a scoreboard. in in our sport I mean life and death
0: it truly is for real and we'll go this further down the road I'm sure you'll explain better but I can recall there's a difference between as a rookie police and then uh, towards the end of my career when I was in violent situations whether it be a a, a street brawl a a violent apprehension foot pursuit that my thinking was sharper, clearer, and more calm with the more experience I had. In the very beginning, I mean, it was remind yourself to breathe a lot of times.
1: Absolutely. It's it's almost like the matrix effect. The more training an officer has, uh, you almost warp time and slow things down. Uh, Every officer is going to perceive and react to things differently, but we've seen it across the board. The more training, the more stress inoculation an officer has, had the faster the reaction time and the more time seems to slow down for them.
0: And also, the the advantage to the community is that when you have an officer who's better trained, better equipped, better able to do the job, especially in violent situations, it means more safety for the community and better chance of apprehending a violent person without having to resort to deadly force, which is a plus for everybody.
1: Absolutely, If, if all you have is a hammer Everybody looks like a nail.
0: Absolutely. So. You are so right. And one other thing too, I'm going to clear up for people who are listening but right now. I have never known any law enforcement officer that wanted to use deadly force and those who did, whether the suspect survived or not, they were devastated by it. It was a had a huge emotional impact on that person, their family, uh, their extended family, and the rest of us that worked with them.
1: I... Thank God, I have never been through an officer involved shooting myself, but I could imagine uh, the litigation, the uh, investigations, and uh, being listed as a suspect, as a homicide suspect. Yeah. And you certainly can reduce the demand or the need for deadly force if that officer is more equipped and more comfortable using lower levels of force.
0: So before we get into what we do, let's talk about your system. You have a website. What is that?
1: Our school's website is centurionmsc.com, centurionmodernsubjectcontrol.com.
0: And what can people find there?
1: They could locate the next schools that are available that are going to be taught around the country. They could also contact us and request a training at their department. Our, uh, we have a couple of trainings coming up here. The next one's going to be for the Michigan Tactical Officers Association, also for the International Law Enforcement Educators and Trainers Association Conference where we will have officers and training officers from all around the world.
0: Let's check out your website, get more details. Give the website address one more time.
1: Centurion, C-E-N-T-U-R-I-O-N, M as in Mary, S as in Sam, C as in
0: Charles.com. You are a former professional mixed martial arts fighter. I am. And I've got to be honest with you. I'm flat out amazed at what those athletes do. Their physical toughness, their mental toughness, to me, is mind-blowing. One of the things that happens, I've met so many people, and I don't want to get into this debate about... Young people versus old people, but I, I've met people who are younger than me who have never been punched in the face, and they are deathly afraid that be devastating to them. I, of course, I went through the lot as a kid. I went through it in police work. I've been hit many times, and it's very survivable. Uh, but it,
1: there's a lot of parallels between that and law enforcement, John. Yeah, where if you think about it, the cadets that we're getting are passing background checks. They're coming from decent families. Uh, clean-cut young men and women, and uh, a physical altercation is a very foreign concept to them. So, uh, training is vital, not just what you receive at your department and the 16-week police academy, but it really puts the burden on the individual officer to go out there and seek a training system that can get them comfortable in uncomfortable positions.
0: Well, I also watch these MMA fighters... I have not changed the C.A. film of your past fights yet. I always say this. When they get kicked in the shin, I'm like, I, I don't know how they can function. I have a scrape my shin against a trailer hitch. And I've been out of the picture for a couple of days after that. But oh, yeah. to continue with the purpose and the fighting... No matter how bad the injury, no matter how bad the, they're they're losing, they stay in the fight, and that's what one of the things we've always been drilled in our heads in law enforcement is: no matter how bad the situation, if you are losing, if you're getting handed to you by someone who's bigger, better, stronger, better fighter than you, you stay in the fight. You can't quit.
1: We cannot we cannot afford to lose a fight on the street. Uh, But the concept that some people miss when they look at mixed martial arts and watch them on TV is they don't realize that it's very progressive. These athletes were not born the way they are on TV. They could not take that type of punishment. But there's a progressive system of training that allows that body to absorb that kind of punishment routinely.
0: And we had a guest on the show not that long ago, Ashley Cummings, uh, who is a a full-time career police officer in Southern California. She was in St. Louis area before that, and she's a professional MMA fighter with Invicta. And one of the things that she said is that the longer she's been in the fight game, the more training she does in the gym in preparation for her MMA career, it makes her more effective as a law enforcement officer because things slow down. When things go bad, as they do, you see it, you can react quicker. You don't wind up getting overwhelmed by emotions and fear or adrenaline it becomes more manageable
1: that is absolutely true i could i could attest to that moreover the thought of time slowing down is really a true thing from my personal experiences to talking to former cadets they describe everything as as time stopped and i was able to see the gun shove it down back into the pants disarm the person etc cetera, etc cetera. The more you train, the more you can disassociate and not take it personal during a fight and and act professionally.
0: That's another concept that uh, we're going to examine here in just a few moments. We are talking with Amir Killa, and he is an instructor of subject control, police use of force, and expert in use of force. Uh, He's a professional, former mixed martial arts fighter. We've got so many things we're talking about. We're going to talk about community policing, America's concept of use of force in law enforcement, training, how we're not getting enough, and there's so much heading your way on the Law Enforcement Day show. We'll be right back. Rates based on with no form for 20 years. Policy number 25. Policy underwritten by life insurance companies. Premium $50 policy fee. criteria subject to change at any time. Not available in some states.
2: You've heard those term life insurance ads with the rates read very low, and at the end they have a long disclaimer read extremely fast. Why? Because most people like us will never qualify for those rates. It's just a way to get you to call. Listen, at the Term Lifeline, we'll never quote you a low rate, hoping you'll call, then try to sell you something else. But we do promise to get you the best rates available on policies of $500,000 or more with professional service. Don't waste your valuable time. Get the real rates you want on term life insurance policies of $500,000 or more from the Term Lifeline.
3: Call now. 800-957-6068. 800-957-6068. 800-957-6068.
0: online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program, offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists, helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at transformationstreatment.center. When you have a chance, be sure to go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, and download our free mobile app. We have a version for your Android and iPhone devices. It's 100% free. Get it at lawenforcementtoday.com. And we are back, joining us on the phone from Michigan, Amir Killa. Amir, how how cold is it up there right now?
1: It is extremely cold. It's 28. Uh, They canceled school on Monday for the kids because uh, the wind chills were too low.
0: Oh, my goodness. Uh, Wow but you've been in that area pretty much your whole life.
1: Since 92, we settled here in in Michigan since 92, yes.
0: So you immigrated to the United States?
1: We did, I immigrated from Egypt where I was born, uh, minority Christian, and uh, we immigrated to the United States on religious asylum.
0: Now that could be a topic that would fill up two or three hours right there, and and unfortunately we don't have the time for that or the focus. One of the things that I get asked all the time, the law enforcement today, social media pages, our Facebook page, people will put up a video of an officer or two officers trying to handcuff someone who's resisting. And uh, uh, always, why, why is that happening is the officers don't comply, they don't resist, or this. And there's a lot of wrestling. There's a lot of ugliness that happens. And people are saying, like, what's wrong with this one? Why couldn't we just, you know, handcuff them? And I try to explain to people, and you can't do it certainly by social media, that That is one of the hardest things in the world to do without using some sort of physical force. If someone doesn't want to get cuffed, good luck to you.
1: Listen, Jen, I, I've had 16 professional fights, including in Bellator and uh, USG's Ultimate Fighter show. And the first time I ended up on my back in the street with a duty belt and vest on, I was shocked. It, it, it's a completely different experience and a different intent is coming at you at that point. Moving around in your gear is very restrictive. Luckily, recently, there has been a push for more functional gear rather than worrying about perception, how the uniforms look and, and feel. But they need to be functional for officers to be out there because we are, we are wrestling with people. We're going over fences. We're involved in foot pursuits. So the, the, the uniforms definitely need to be a little bit more functional.
0: That's a plus because, well, it's definitely a lot better than it was back in the day when I was a a rookie police. But we have people commenting, and and a lot of people, and I'm not saying this is a negative, but a lot of people have absolutely no concept in their minds of the reality of what happens on the streets in America, the type of violence that not just our police officers, but all of our first responders are subjected to on a daily basis. And fortunately, most of it is not directed at them. Some is. With law enforcement, a lot of it is directed at them. Uh, How do we get the message to them that this is not about aggression, it's about survival?
1: That is above my pay grade, I can tell you that. It's certainly something that needs to be done. Uh, I think transparency and uh, communication between departments and their community, getting that buy-in from the community so they're not seeing us as occupying forces, Rather, we are their guardians. We're, we're there to do their bidding, keep them safe. And they will need to realize that at some times, at some point in time, physical violence may be necessary to accomplish that mission. But it's only done to, to keep them safe and enforce the laws that keep society intact.
0: Another thing that a lot of people don't seem to understand is you know, when I was a, a police. If I got called, we didn't always seek out someone. There was on view stuff. But when you get called for, let's say, here's a good example. You have a drunken, disorderly person. They're asking to leave a business. And so they call the police. They refuse to leave. And you get there. And, and you wind up telling this this man, you got to leave. And you give him two or three orders to leave. And he refuses to leave. And then you go to arrest him. And all of a sudden, he wants to fight. And it appears to the People who now are using the cell phone videos, that this is something that the officer had a lot of choice and discretion where he could just walk away.
1: Oh, yeah. That's the only part that's going to make social media, is that that fight portion. They are not going to realize the backstory how the officer was there to respond for a call for service, to serve the community, serve a citizen. And we cannot back off we have to enforce the law that is our job right and we're uh,
0: obligated to do it It'll we had no choice in the matter and we didn't always want to be there. a good example is domestics a lot of times i didn't want to be there but you had to be there to make sure everybody's safe so when people have this expectation you know, i hear it all the time de-escalate and one of the things i love a lot of guests will say yeah, uh, when you talk about de-escalation by law enforcement, is it, it takes two to de-escalate. If the other person does not want to de-escalate, does not want to comply, does wants to resist, that kind of forces the officer into a position where they've got to react and they don't have any other choice.
3: Exactly.
1: There's a balance here. I, I'm also for the for the School of Medicine. I teach crisis intervention, so we, we're dealing uh, with a lot of suicide by cop scenarios, mental health issues, uh, veterans in crisis and how to de-escalate. I have found, and not just in law enforcement, this also applies for civilians that I, that I teach self-defense to, the more trained an officer or a citizen is, and the more competent they are, the better they're able to de-escalate. They have nothing to prove. They don't need to puff up their chest. Right. They know that they're very capable physically, and that will give them the opportunity to de-escalate. However, they don't always have a choice. It, like you said, it takes two people to de
0: And unfortunately, the, these police officers don't have the power to make everybody do what they want to do. As a matter of fact, you don't have a whole lot of power. People think you do. No. Uh, but you don't. And so much of what happens in law enforcement is reactionary. That was one of the things that I heard from a lot of military veterans who came into law enforcement. And their job, especially if they were special forces, was to be proactive, to seek out the enemy. The enemy is clearly defined and engage the enemy and neutralize the enemy. Where in law enforcement, it's not about the enemy. It's about people who are having problems in your community. Some may be, and a very small percentage of that, are very violent criminals. And if some people want to use the term enemy for that, go right ahead. But you have to be reactionary based on what they do. You can't go out looking for them and saying, okay, I'm going to engage you in a firefight.
1: Exactly. No, they definitely certainly have the element of surprise on us. At every call, we most of the time do not understand what we're walking into for whatever call we're dispatched to.
0: So this whole concept of training, and I, I'm almost embarrassed to say that when I was in the police academy, we had we had physical training, we had self-defense training, we learned come-alongs, they called them, certain moves that you would do in grips and, and uh, joint what's the word I'm looking sure. for, where you're trying to Get them into a pressure point to get them to comply and move with you. Esport or transport locks, etc. cetera. Exactly. Uh, yeah. All that's easier said than done in a controlled environment. When it's hot and sweaty and there's blood or other body fluids involved or liquids and, and they're fighting you, it's a different story. Uh, it, it's not it so is, easy it, to do.
1: It is never textbook on the street, is it, John?
0: No, it isn't. And it, it, never, it never comes off like training. Uh, no. It's
1: always ugly. It's it, always ugly. Um, that's a,
0: a good point. Use of force, no matter what you do, is always ugly.
1: Exactly. The, uh, the concept of our system looks at what happens before a contact, what happens during, and what happens after. So we look for pre-attack indicators. It's not like the old systems where they just teach you an isolated, sterile move and move on. Uh, It's almost, if if all you have is a straight arm bar or a gooseneck, it's very easy to beat and defeat that. But Uh, our system has a lot of synergetic techniques that supplement each other. When they resist for this technique, we move on to technique B. Each technique is designed to fail, and the next technique is designed to catch that failure.
0: The nice thing about that is having a a full arsenal, and we'll we'll talk more about the train. When I say arsenal, I'm talking about experience on how to handle yourself what we did back in the day we certainly did a lot of physical training i was in the gym quite a bit it it was more important at the time to try to be able to quickly overpower someone than it was to square off in a fist fight and and i learned that lesson early on that this wasn't like the movies this wasn't like television it's not john wayne we're not squaring off and duking it out on the middle street that's because that's a bad situation But unfortunately, we didn't have anywhere near as much training as you would think we would need and our agency was not alone.
1: That that is actually the standard.
0: It's a a minimal amount of physical defense training. You have far more firearms training than you do actual hands-on training. Exactly. In the state of
1: Michigan, the minimum requirement is four hours a year. You compare that to say a high school wrestler that trains an hour and a half to two hours a day five days a week for a four-month season that's putting in, you know, 120 hours of training. And that's high school sports where it's not life and death. Uh, and we're putting our, our men and women out there with four hours of training. its We're really
0: setting up our troops for failure. Well, we're going to talk more about training and why it's so important uh, for the individual officer and also for the community. You listen to Law Enforce Today's show with our guest Amir Killa calling us from Michigan. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Transformation's Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformation's Treatment Center has a nationally acclaimed Veterans and First Responders Treatment Program, offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at transformationstreatment.center.
3: Got an old car? You can donate it, whether it's running or not, to the United Breast Cancer Foundation and save a life. They'll even come and pick it up for free. The United Breast Cancer Foundation has saved hundreds of women's lives through their free or low-cost breast screen exams, but now they need your help. The United Breast Cancer Foundation wants to save more lives through early detection by offering women free or low-cost breast screening exams. And donating your old car, SUV, or truck, whether it's running or not, helps pay for them. Plus, you get a charitable tax deduction. Help the United Breast Cancer Foundation save lives by donating your old car, SUV, or truck. Call now for free pickup. 800 280 9435. 800 280 9435. 800 280 9435. Call right now. That number again is 800 280 9435.
0: Law Enforcement Today radio show has grown so much and so rapidly we now have two Facebook pages. You can do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. That's a new page. Be sure to click like when you get there and follow. In addition, we have our main page, which is Law Enforcement Today. So do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today and be sure to click like and follow that one as well. Returning to our conversation with Amir Killa on the Law Enforcement Today show, there's so much things to talk about. One of the things we were talking before the break was about training and lack of training, not enough training. What I'm saying about training, we're talking about hands-on physical defense training so that you don't have to resort to more lethal force. And granted, back in my day, we didn't have tasers. We had great big nightsticks called s Bantoons and mace that only worked on civilians and innocent bystanders and, and a 38 revolver. But the most important weapon we had was our brain. Exactly. And that thing hasn't changed uh, for everybody else. And, There's a lot of misconceptions about tasing, about pepper spray, uh, about why and when that should be used, Uh, but let's get down to the very basics. I'm of the belief there's not enough training in physical self-defense and subject control or in hands-on being able to defend yourself in a physical altercation for our law enforcement officers. And one of the things we always say, I always say, is, you know, departments a lot of times, and believe it or not, they frown on officers, some of them using techniques they learned that weren't taught in the academy, because it's not their their policy. So, but a lot of officers I met train in Krav Maga, or train in uh, Jiu-Jitsu, or train in other forms of martial arts, or even mix it up, because it's their life that's on the line. It's, it's not the departments on the line, it's their life.
1: And there's. <laughs> has evolved as well um, everybody and their mother watches MMA and UFC on TV if we go out there with basic pressure point control tactics or um, you know just uh, straight arm bar him and you'll win the fight we we're going to be setting up our guys for for a big time shock there so uh, training definitely needs to increase but there's some things that we can do as subject control instructors to facilitate that and. The main one is making administration and the public understand that subject control and de-escalation actually go hand in hand. It's not an either or, which is the perspective most departments and most administrations have on the subject. The higher trained an officer is with their hands and less lethal force, the longer and uh, more successful their chances are for de-escalation. The second thing that we really need to address as subject control instructors is to make sure that the training sessions are safe. Nothing scares admin more than an OJI, an on-job injury. Right. Uh, you don't wanna have a, a whole platoon laid up with uh, shoulder or back injuries because of training. So it's imperative that the instructors maintain control of the training session and make sure that everybody's being safe. You're always gonna have injuries. It is a contact sport, so to speak, However, it's our job to mitigate that threat for the department.
0: Well, law enforcement, certainly, that's a great way of putting it a contact sport. And if, you're, if you do a career in law enforcement for any period of time, and I used to think it was the, the big city agencies where it was really rough and tumble, but it's everywhere. Uh, it's the smaller agencies. It's the rural areas. You know, if you get an officer or deputy, that is a very small rural county that doesn't have a big force, they could be in a situation where they're going hands-on with someone who's bigger, stronger, under the influence of any type of illicit street drugs, and backup could be 20 miles away. Absolutely. And uh, one of the most and, and common- you're in a bad situation. If you're a state trooper or you're a deputy in that situation, that person is fighting with you has a better shot at getting killed.
1: Absolutely. You, and you could justify, you know, you're getting fatigued. You can't keep up the fight. You're going to lose consciousness and you were forced to resort to deadly force as opposed to being a trained officer that's able to reverse sweep the suspect and get him into a safe handcuffing position um, to two different worlds, two different worlds
0: right there. How do we get the administration to be more responsive and, and like city governments and county governments to say, oh yeah, I see the need for this when they seem to be so anti-law enforcement that law enforcement to blame for everything.
1: It's, it's a challenge. It's an uphill battle that we're all fighting. But I think the, the two main ones are showing the correlation between decreased deadly force um, as the hands-on training increases, as well as making sure our training officers are paying attention, controlling the session, and not letting you know two alphas go at it and blow each other's shoulders out and be off the road for a month.
0: Yeah, we certainly don't want that. You brought up a good point earlier on in the conversation that when anybody, a, a law enforcement officer, but anybody, is more confident in their ability to defend themselves and control someone physically, they are less apt to have to resort to physical violence. Am I? Am
1: Absolutely. I? Absolutely. I, I've had uh, thousands, thousands of uh, civilians go through our program over the last 18 years and a lot of them are law enforcement as well and I could count count on a single hand the number of students that had to use those skills the way a student or a civilian or law enforcement carries themselves when they have that confidence really deters situations where physical altercations are going to be necessary
0: and that's uh, you know something I do now my wife laughs at me sometimes cuz I guess after years of of working in law enforcement, all the stuff I went through, I wind up sizing people up all the time. And I don't do it consciously. Uh, I jokingly say, when I go on the airplane, I'm one of the first ones on the airplane and I watch everybody come in and go, Oh, if he breaks bad, I'm kicking him in the knee. If he goes crazy. I was the only one that did that. (laughs) But it's like I look at certain people and go, That person there is a fighter. Exactly, That person is well adept and knows how to handle themselves and is very proficient at what they do when it comes to physical force. And I don't know how you know, but you can just tell.
1: And just how we know, perps and predators have that same sense as well. They and, do. And uh, they, they'll, they'll look for an easier prey.
0: They do. That's one of the first things I always tell people in crime prevention is to, to be aware, look aware. Not to to be paranoid, but to have your head on a swivel and and look as if you know what you're doing, even if you don't. Uh, And that that leads up to a common misconception that a lot of people seem to have. And we ran into this with uh, a lot of officers and, and people I worked with were of all races, all religions, genders. We had very small women, big women, big men, small men, gay, lesbian. It didn't matter. And we always said, if I was in a bad street brawl, all I cared about is he showed up. And if all I could do is grab a hand, and grab a hand. exactly. Um, but this, there's an idea in people's minds that when we see female law enforcement officers in particular, especially if it's an attractive female law enforcement officer, that she can't defend herself physically. And that's the furthest thing from the truth.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I have a lot better luck with female officers teaching them techniques because they really rely on the biomechanics of the technique and the physics of the technique as opposed to some of the male cadets and male officers will uh, naturally resort to their strength and athletic ability. Uh, Not that, you know, uh, guys are stronger or anything of that nature, but the the females really pay attention and they're very meticulous with the details of the technique and they pick it up and are much more effective at a faster
0: rate. I'm glad you brought that up. I remember being in college a long, long, long time ago. And I was in judo and uh, trying to compete. The instructor teamed me up with a guy who was, I mean, I was probably about 195 pounds then. And the guy, my opponent was about 145 and he was a brown belt. And I was just learning. And I Great. had never been thrown around like that before or after nothing I could do to, to put a hand on this guy without him reversing me, sweeping me, throwing me to ground. And I was physically exhausted and lost my will to fight within about 30, 40 seconds.
1: And he probably wasn't even breathing heavy. No,
0: the dude didn't even break a sweat. And I'm it's thinking. It's very humbling. Yeah, it is. And, and you resort to this is a good point when you say about the, the the females. I resort to my strength. Well, I'll overpower this guy. And did he know how to use that against you. Because He's quite proficient at what he did. So when you talk about mechanics and physics and and movement and countering movement that's what we're talking all about we're talking with amir killer. this is a law enforcement today's show we're gonna be right back don't go anywhere
3: want to fly somewhere looking for cheap flights or cheap tickets Salute cheapest prices on U.S. and international airline tickets and hotels. Call right now for prices so low they can't be published. Travel experts are here 24-7 to help. 800-451-8603. 800-451-8603. 800-451-8603. That's 800-451-8603.
2: Are you working so hard to make a living you can't take time to make any real money? Is every day the same boring routine, going nowhere, and the money runs out before the month? My name is Ron Legrand, and for over 35 years now, I've been helping clients take their life back by buying and selling houses with no money, credit, experience, or license. If you'll call 800-956-0677, 24 hours, and leave a message, I'll send you my new book and CD absolutely free so you can see how. I've bought hundreds of houses and trained thousands to do the same. Call 800 956 0677. Get your free starter kit until 500 are gone. You'll learn how to make a full-time income on a part-time basis without risk, largely tax-free, and get 90% of the work done for you for pennies. That's 800-956-0677. 800-956-0677. Again, 800-956-0677. That's 800-956-0677.
0: This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. My special guest, Amir Killa, calling us from Michigan, wintry state of Michigan. Amir, again, give people your, your background, what you do, where they can get more information about what you do.
1: Uh, well, I'm uh, president of Centurion Modern Subject Control, which is, uh, as the name entails, a very eclectic and dynamic system for law enforcement officers, and now we're actually expanding into uh, EMT training, uh, how to deal with non-compliant patients, combative patients. I have an extensive background in uh, martial arts, black belt in uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, Tang Shudo, Taekwondo, Hapkido. I fought professionally for um, Ultimate Fighter TV show for the UFC's Ultimate Fighter, as well as uh, my last fight before retirement was for Bellator. I have been teaching at a local regional police academy for approximately 8 years and we completely changed the system from uh, a sterile static technique based to what fighting really is it's it's based more on the MMA model as opposed to having loyalties to a certain traditional martial art and trying to stay within that because as you know john in the the real world it's it's never pretty and a fight is very dynamic so with centurion we teach more concepts than we do techniques because concepts i won't be able to teach you a technique for every single position you can be in in a fight but i can teach you a principle or a concept that will apply we uh, started just teaching at the police academy with Centurion, and then word got out One as these cadets started moving up the ranks in their own departments, and uh, a demand arose for a state-registered program where we can go around to different departments and teach. And from there, we uh, got invited to teach at the uh, International Law Enforcement Educators and Trainers Association, uh, which is going to be in St. Louis, Missouri this year. Uh, we'll have officers from all over the world. Last year, we had uh, officers from Japan, um, Ireland, Brits, Canadians, uh, all over the place. So uh, the system is really expanding, and it, it feels good to know that we're making a difference.
0: And ultimately, that's what it's about. It's about making our communities safer. And I had an opportunity to meet some police from Ireland. You brought them up. And a lot of them are not armed. And they wind up having to use different skill sets to deal with violence. And a lot of it's the same uh, as what we use here in the United States. And they go through a lot of similar problems we have in the United States as well. They just don't have the amount of murders that we do. But they have everything else that goes along with the territory, and they, they have a lot of knife attacks.
1: Absolutely. That, that, that's a very common theme uh, where they have high gun control, countries with high gun control. Knives seem to be the uh, weapon of choice. Uh, also heard the same thing from a couple officers from Japan.
0: And I'll be honest with you, there's an old saying, maybe I learned it from the military guys I worked with, but I would rather deal with a man with a gun than, than a proficient fighter with a knife.
1: a hot blade that you want to stay away from. Uh, it's easier to find cover and concealment and return fire with your own weapon. Most officers are a lot more competent with firearms than uh,
0: in knife fighting. I recall one time that happened It was a, a drunken disorderly arrest domestic situation. You know, a guy had to leave the house and he wouldn't comply and I was a rookie officer on the job maybe about a year and a half and he broke away from me and run up hitting me, and then we tumbled into fish tank and broke the fish tank, and we were both covered with water, and somewhere in the struggle, the guy picked up a piece of broken glass and, and kind of slashed me in the back of the thigh. I, it wasn't a deep one. It wasn't even something I was aware of until afterwards. I was able to control them, get them arrested, bring them in. There's no broken bones. No one was shot. None of that stuff, and ultimately nothing happened in court. But that incident right there taught me that I needed to find other ways to get better because it didn't matter how big I was, it didn't matter how strong I was, it didn't matter if I could bench past 300 pounds, if the guy picked a piece of glass, he could end my life quickly.
1: Absolutely. You, you certainly do want to be in shape. I mean, uh, strength training, resistance training, cardiovascular training, very important. Uh, but you also need the software to run on that machine. So, going out and seeking training in, in martial arts, uh, going to any subject control or, or defensive tactics schools that you can go to, and don't rely solely on your department. A, a lot right. of departments don't have that much of a training budget, and invest in yourself. I mean, it's, it's a lot of officers, sadly, if you're not paying me to go to this training, I'm out. Right. And good luck trying to get them to pay for their own training, too. So... It's something that we really are trying to change. We're trying to change a culture where training is fun, training is cool, uh, t- training is part of the job. It's a requirement of the job. So um, that, that's really the change that we're trying to push.
0: It almost seems like it's a, it's a dirty word when we talk about uh, self-defense or physical hands-on training. With departments, the PR aspect of police departments with city-county governments, state governments, it's almost as like they're, oh, we don't want to talk about that. Part of that is I don't think they talk to the community in a way and let them know what really happens, what it's really like, and how this is better for the community if they have better trained, better equipped law enforcement officers.
1: Again, John, I'm going to go back to telling you it's it's not only taboo to train subject control uh, in the eyes of administration. They feel that you're either a, uh, you know, crisis intervention officer where you can de-escalate and have great negotiation skills or you're a, knuckle, a knuckle-dragger. And that's really not the case whatsoever. You can be very proficient with your hands and with your intermediate tools and still have great community policing relationships with with your citizens and um, de-escalate people in crisis. It's it, not either or i truly believe and i would like to get the message out that they go
0: hand in hand they do and an old term we were taught years ago i don't even think they use it too much anymore was verbal judo and right. you know and i'll give you an example let's go back to the scenario of the drunken disorderly guy on the corner you called there and it's a friday night and i've actually told people this and said listen you're going to have to leave, one way or the other. You can choose to leave, go on, have a great weekend, do what you want to do, have beers with the guys, whatever you want to do, or if you don't, I'm going to have to take you in. And if you think you're going to fight me, then I'll call for backup, and we'll have 15 police here in 30 seconds. Right. And, and you'll be in jail all weekend long until you see the judge on Monday morning. And it's your yes. choice. Exactly, but they're not always thinking rationally, are no. they? No, and, and you had to have some degree of confidence that you could hang in in the fight with it
1: and oh yeah I, I i am going to affect this arrest yeah it's your choice if you you know how it goes down
0: and it's not like you had a, a, the option of, of backing up or leaving so again one of the things i think the challenges we're going to have is actually twofold is convincing police departments they need to do more of this and when i say police departments i mean sheriff's departments state police y- y- Whatever agency you want to use, and that means we have to convince the governments that run those agencies that this is necessary. And the reasons it's necessary is, A, so that officer can survive and, and perform their job. You don't have to recruit a new one. You don't have to pay workers' compensation to have retirement, all that stuff. Uh, you don't have as many casualties. But it's also better for community because then you have someone who can be in the community for 5, 10, 15 years and get to know the people. The very basic element of policing, and and I hear it used all the time now, community policing, and that's what we did all throughout the 80s and early 90s. I don't know when it changed or why it changed.
1: It it really, there's a long road ahead of us uh, for us to be able to accomplish the mission that you're talking about, and it all stems to communication, transparency, and making administration understand that it is part of the job, and the better trained officers we have, the less use of force in general we will have, and the less deadly force we're, we're going to have.
0: And ultimately, that's what it's all about. We, we want, the number one rule we always had was, at the end of your shift, you go home. And you go right. home in the same physical condition as when you started your shift. Uh, that wasn't always the case. I, everybody I know that's been in police work for a long time, myself included, has multiple injuries, surgeries, scars. I, I call them street tattoos. Uh, exactly. I've got many, and uh, if you're in this game, you're going to get injured as part of the territory. Amir, before we close, again, give people where they can get more information about you and your services and what you offer.
1: I'd love to hear from everybody. We're on all social media platforms at Subject Control. Uh, you can also visit our website. We have a forum there, centurionmsc.com love to hear from different departments. We'd love to travel out and host schools for you and make your officers safer.
0: Amir, thanks so much for joining us on Law Enforcement Today's Show. Very much appreciated. Thanks for all you do, John. If you want to be a guest on the show or you know someone who'd be a great guest, we'd love to hear from And we'd accommodate them from anywhere. It doesn't matter where they are. Yeah. So just contact us. The easiest way is to go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com. The Contact Us tab. Send an email to me, j at lawenforcementtoday.com. Or Robert at law enforcement You can also send a message via Facebook. We're all over this thing called the World Wide Web, Instagram, and all that stuff, too. Thank you so much for spending part of your day with us here at Law Enforcement Today. On behalf of everyone associated with the show and the website, this is John J. Wiley. Until next time, see ya.